0: Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Xander's Facts. What is happening, y'all? Welcome in to the latest edition of the Xander's Facts podcast. I am, of course, the aforementioned Xander. We are rolling with episode 48 of the podcast here on Wednesday, January 5th. 2022 that's right it is a new year 2022 happy new year everybody and hopefully 2022 has started out better than 2021 was because 2021 was kind of you know except for the fact that the xander's facts podcast started in 2021 of course so now we're almost to the one year anniversary of the xander's facts podcast coming up in february that's gonna be pretty exciting how about that i didn't ask that plus we got a huge podcast to start 2022. This week, we are talking football. We are talking insurrections. It's going to be amazing here on episode 48 of the Zaner's Facts Podcast. And of course, remember New Year, but it's the same old spiel from Zaner. If you like the Zaner's Facts Podcast, if you want to support Zaner's Facts Podcast, if you think you're going to like the facts on this week's episode, episode 48 of the podcast, remember to click that follow button on the podcast, download this episode, episode 48 rate the podcast and then review the podcast five stars all the way because these are five star facts and then go on your twitters your facebook's your instagrams because you're already on them 24 7 xander's facts go follow like subscribe on there whatever xander with a z and most importantly tell all your friends tell all your friends about the xander's facts podcast spread the facts spread the facts is very important this week because we got a very big podcast to talk about we're talking about football You. the last week of the nfl regular season We're talking about college football. It's the final game of the college football season on Monday, the national championship game. But before we get into all that, the most important thing we're talking about on our podcast this week is that Thursday of this week, the day after this podcast comes out, January 6th is the one year anniversary of the January 6th insurrection. We're going to talk about that in a second, but also remember, if you want anything Xander's Facts related, all the Xander's Facts links go on the Linktree. For Xander's Facts, it's got all the Xander's Facts you need. Linktree is linked on this episode's description, episode 48. So with all that out of the way, let's begin with the return of politics on the Xander's Facts podcast, because we are talking about the one-year anniversary of the January 6th Insurrection. That is on Thursday of this week. It was a year ago on Thursday that Congress had gathered to certify the results of the 2020 presidential election that had elected Joe Biden as the president and Kamala Harris as the vice president. And if you don't think that Joe Biden won the presidency, I don't know how you're listening to this podcast, and also you're an idiot. Are you stupid? However, unlike nearly every other time that Congress had certified the results of a presidential election, something else notable had occurred as well, which we all know about by now. But I thought, because it was a year ago, and a lot of us can't remember what we had for breakfast this morning, I thought that it was a good idea to recount the events of January 6th and talk about what has happened afterward to hold those who participated and incited the insurrection accountable. So that's how we're going to commemorate the one-year anniversary. Let's do a quick Recap of the events that occurred on January 6th and the actions that have been taken afterwards up to now, Wednesday, January 5th, 2022. A year ago. So, first off, what exactly occurred on January 6th? If you don't know, or if you don't remember, which is okay because it was a while ago, Sandra is here to refresh your memory. So here's a quick recap. Here we go. So first off, in November of 2020, The United States, the country that Xander is living in, and you might be living in too, had a presidential election. And in that presidential election, it was found that more people voted for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris than Donald Trump and Mike Pence. Guaranteed! So, that means that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were elected, and Donald Trump and Mike Pence were not. Well, actually, in some cases it might not, because the U.S. has this stupid electoral college that we talked about on this podcast that probably shouldn't be there. But even though they won the most popular votes, they also won the most electoral college votes. So, Joe Biden won the presidential election. The Democrats won. Oh my gosh, that's terrible! Well, some people actually thought so. And those people decided to voice their frustrations by gathering in Washington, D.C. on January 6th of 2021 to protest the certification of the election results. Because after every presidential election, Congress convenes in a joint session so the House and the Senate... Come together, they meet together in one room in the House chamber and they certify the results of the presidential election. They go state by state and they certify each state's electoral college votes. So that's what Congress was doing on January 6th, 2021. So a bunch of people had gathered in DC because. They thought, wrongly, that Donnie Boy had won, because they had been lied to by right-wing propaganda and by Donnie Boy himself, who said that the election was rigged and stolen and that the Democrats did not win and that he was the rightful man who won. Even though none of that was and is and will be true. Ha ha, loser! So, the the at-the-time president, Donnie Boy and you all know who Donny boy is addressed the crowd of his supporters who gathered in DC on January 6th. He told the crowd that they were going to march down to the Capitol to support those voting to overturn the results of the election while not being too happy with those who wouldn't, including the then vice president, Mike Pence. How'd that go? So yeah, urging his supporters to take back our country, blah, blah, blah. So that was all around noon Eastern time. After his speech, Donnie Boy went back to the White House, even though he said they were all going to go march down to the Capitol, he chickened out and he went back to the White House. While a bunch of his supporters went down to the Capitol as Congress convened a joint session to certify the results of the election, which I just explained. And as Congress began to certify the results of each state in alphabetical order, Republican opposition to the results in Arizona sent the two houses into their respective chambers to deliberate. So when they certify the results members of congress can oppose the certification and because there are a bunch of dummies in congress who are members of the republican party they decided to oppose the certification of the results of arizona a state that biden won (laughs) and so in order to oppose the results of a state's electoral votes a member of the house and a member of the senate both need to agree to oppose the results. so a Republican from the House and a Republican from the Senate came forward and said they opposed the certification of the results of Arizona. So then when that happens, the Senate has to go over to the Senate chamber to deliberate and then vote, and then the House stays in the House chamber to deliberate and vote. So they debate on whether the opposition is justified or it's just a bunch of bull, and then they vote. And both houses found that it was just a bunch of bull. But It took a lot longer than it usually should for them to figure that out because at the same time that the two houses have gone into their separate chambers and are talking about the Arizona votes, at the same time as this is happening, protesters are now running up on Capitol Police officers who have set up barricades at the Capitol and soon enough, The Trump supporters, because they're all Trump supporters, it's not Antifa Bobos. Deal with it. They all overcame police and broke into the Capitol. They broke down doors. They smashed windows and they caused a lot of damage to get in there. But they successfully infiltrated the United States Capitol. This was just after two o'clock in the afternoon. And Republican Senator James Langford, who was speaking on the Senate floor, he's from Oklahoma, he was interrupted because the Senate had to go to recess because they all had to hide from the crazy people. Uh oh. Who all just so happened to be Trump supporters wearing Trump hats, wearing Trump shirts, flying Trump flags, flying Confederate flags, and yelling, Hang Mike Pence. So now you've got people inside of the Capitol. They're officially committing an insurrection and they're trying to get to the boxes that have all the electoral votes in them so they can rip them up and say, Donald Trump's the president. Hurray. That's not a fact. So while this was going on, a Capitol police officer, Eugene Goodman, is leading rioters away from the Senate chamber while it is still not locked, it's still open, the doors are wide open, there's a video and photos that you've probably seen by now, because it was a year ago, of a police officer stopping rioters... From going into the Senate, he led them another way so that a lot of senators, Republicans, and Democrats weren't hurt by these crazy people. There's a video, if you haven't seen it, you probably need to, and I don't know how you haven't. But at that time, the vice president, Mike Pence, has to be carried away into a secret room inside of the Capitol so that he's safe from all these crazy people who want to hang him, apparently. So at 224... Donnie Boy, who's back at the White House, chilling, relaxing, watching the riot on TV, tweeted, quote, Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what he should have done to protect our country and our Constitution, unquote. And at the same time, he also tweeted more nonsensical false claims about a fraudulent election. So this is all as the insurrection is occurring. He's watching this on the TV. And he's tweeting all this out then at 238 he tweeted his support for the capitol police and urged everyone to stay peaceful when he knew well they weren't staying peaceful because he was watching it on the tv but at the same time rioters and insurrectionists were still going through the capitol as lawmakers were being told in the house chamber because a bunch of house members had to barricade inside of the house chamber and they were being told that gas masks were under their seat And they had to put on those gas masks to protect themselves, because the rioters were doing some pretty crazy stuff. Whoops. And this was all at the same time that rioters were now trying to enter the Speaker's lobby, where all the Speaker's of the House's offices are. And this is probably a moment you've seen on video, too, because this is one where all those people were trying to bang into the glass doors... There were police on the other side of those glass doors who were warning, if you don't back away, we're gonna shoot you. Some idiot tried to climb up to get up there. She got shot and she died. That crazy Trump girl. You probably know her name. I'm not gonna say that because she's a crazy dum-dum. Who cares? So one rioter got shot. And is dead because she was being crazy because she had been radicalized by Donnie Boy and Fox News and all the right-wing propaganda stuff. And she actually believed that Donald Trump was the rightful winner of the 2020 election when everyone who has a brain knows that that is not true. So, kinda don't feel bad for her. That rioter tried to climb her way into the Speaker's Chamber where multiple lawmakers and their staff were hiding. Sorry about it. And then at 3.36, then-White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany tweeted that Trump has ordered... The National Guard to the Capitol. That is nearly two hours after protesters first got into the Capitol. 3:36 p.m. He finally ordered the National Guard when they could have used it a lot earlier. And outside of the Capitol, there are clouds of tear gas as rioters are throwing bottles at cans at police. They are bashing police officers' skulls in with barricades and with bikes. They are smashing police officers' their bodies into doorways. So that they can get through, because, you know, back the blue, we gotta back the blue, but if you're in our way, screw you. So now it's just after four o'clock, and the then-president-elect Joe Biden goes on the TV, he goes on national television, and tells the then-president Donnie Boy to go on national television, condemn the violence, and demand that his supporters go home. Except Donnie Boy doesn't really go on national television. Instead, he sends a tweet out that has a video at 4.17 p.m. That's where he's saying, quote, We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel but go home and go home in peace, unquote. What? Ah, very special people, I see. And by this time, Maryland and Virginia have both sent their National Guard and state troopers to D.C. to help with all the crazy people. And at this time, protesters have also gathered at multiple state capitals across the country in states like Arizona, Oregon, Colorado, and other states because there's other crazy people, too. So by 6 o'clock... Police are beginning to clear the Capitol and secure the building, and 6 o'clock is also when a curfew was ordered by the D.C. mayor. That went into effect, saying that no one can be allowed outside in public places. And then, 6 one Donnie Boy decided to go back on the Twitter again, saying, quote, These are the things and events that happen when a sacred landslide election victory is so unceremoniously and viciously stripped away from gate patriots who have been badly and unfairly treated for so long, go home with love and in peace, remember this day forever, unquote. That's if First off, big word unceremoniously. Second off, he's crazy! By this point, the violence is over, and Republicans, including then Vice President Mike Pence and then Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who's now the Minority Leader, and many Republican members of Congress begin to condemn the violence because oh I don't want to be associated with that. And then later in the night, Congress resumed the count of the electoral vote, and at 3:42 in the morning on January 7th, the results were finally certified. Of course, after the insurrection had occurred, about eight o'clock is when Congress had resumed certifying the results. After the insurrection, several Republicans still objected to several states' vote counts. Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Nevada, and Georgia all had Republicans try to object the results of those states. And by the way, all those states voted for Joe Biden. Coincidence? No. Because the states that Trump won in apparently did not have any fraud. But the states that Joe Biden won seemed to have massive fraud because Donald Trump was the greatest president ever! Apparently. Dad, Xander's spreading lies. So, when Congress resumed just after 8 o'clock in the evening, the two chambers voted on the objection to the Arizona results because they were still debating that. They still hadn't gotten over that. So, the objection was defeated in the Senate by a vote of 93 to 6 and in the House by a vote of 303 to 121. So, after the insurrection, all that violence by Trump supporters, 127 congressional Republicans still voted to overturn the results of a free and fair election, all because their boy, Donnie Boy, did not win, because he and they are sore losers. Oh no! Disgusting! After this vote, the joint session resumed until Republicans objected to Pennsylvania's results. They tried to object to Michigan and Wisconsin's Votes, but as I said, they need a member from the House and they need a member from the Senate. They didn't get a member from the Senate. All the crazy people in the House—the Marjories, the Lauren, Bob all those crazy people. Matt Gates. They all tried to do that in the House, but they didn't get a member of the Senate. So now members of the House and the Senate Republicans are objecting to the results of Pennsylvania's election, which Joe Biden won, by the way. So which sent the two houses of Congress. Back to their chambers. And after this, the Senate rejected the objection by a vote of 92 to 7, and the House 282 to 128. So even more Republicans then voted to object the results. uh, Just give me a break. After this, the joint session resumed, and the remaining results were certified. So in total, even after the attempted insurrection by Trump supporters, 147 Republicans in Congress still voted to overturn the results of the election. And I thought, well, who are these people? So let's take a look at some of these names. There were eight Republicans in the Senate total who voted to overturn the results of the election. Tommy Tuberville from Alabama, Rick Scott from Florida, Roger Marshall from Kansas, John Kennedy from Louisiana, Cindy Hyde-Smith from Mississippi, Josh Hawley from Missouri, who, you know, was up there with his fists at the protesters saying, rock on, you guys are awesome. Ted Cruz from Texas, who was so distraught that he needed to go to Cancun a couple of weeks later, and Cynthia Loomis from Wyoming. In the House, there were 139 House Republicans. Of course, I'm not going to name them all, but there were six House Republicans from Alabama, including Mo Brooks, who spoke at the event earlier in the day where Trump was speaking, where he wore a red hat that said fire Pelosi, so you know where his priorities are, four from Arizona, one from Arkansas, seven from California, including the leader of the House Republicans, the minority leader, Kevin McCarthy, who, if the Republicans take the House in 2022, will be the Speaker of the House, two from Colorado, 12 from Florida, six from Georgia, one from Idaho, two from Illinois, four from Indiana, three from Kansas, one from Kentucky, four from Louisiana, one from Maryland, three from Michigan, two from Minnesota, three from Mississippi, five from Missouri, one from Montana, seven from North Carolina, one from New Jersey, one from New Mexico, four from New York, one from Nebraska, five from Ohio, four from Oklahoma, one from Oregon, eight from Pennsylvania, five from South Carolina, seven from Tennessee, 16 from Texas, two from Utah, four from Virginia, two from West Virginia, and two from Wisconsin. And because I live in Virginia, I thought I'd look up the four who voted against the results of the election. There is Bob Good, Morgan Griffith, Rob Whitman, and Ben Klein. Those four in Virginia voted to overturn the results of the election. So there you go 147 Republicans who, after the insurrection, Voted to overturn the results of the election. That's a lot of numbers. So that is all that happened on January 6th. Four rioters died, and a Capitol police officer, Brian Sicknick, died the next day after suffering two strokes after he was attacked and pepper sprayed by Trumpies during the insurrection, because you know, back the blue. And in total, a hundred and thirty-eight police officers were injured, with fifteen being hospitalized. Two more officers died by suicide in the following days. But, you know, back the blue, I'm gonna say it again, because they keep yapping about it, and it's really BS. And of course, there was a ton of damage left over with many offices, including those of the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and the Senate Parliamentarian. Those were raided. Many items, including government-issued laptops, were taken. Tables were flipped, photos were ripped from walls, windows were smashed, doors were broken, furniture was destroyed, and there was graffiti, including one rioter who wrote the words murder the media onto a door, so there you go. Prosecutors estimated in May that the damage would cost in excess of $1.5 million, and the rioters also damaged broadcasting equipment outside of the Capitol from the Associated Press. So, yeah. There you go. And in the days after, there were even talks of invoking the 25th Amendment to remove Trump from office, which, you know, if any of the cabinet officials actually had a spine, they would have, but that never came together. And the House did impeach Trump for a second time in his presidency on January 13th, with the Senate failing to convict him on the charges of incitement of insurrection. With a 57 to 43 vote, the Senate needed 67 votes to convict because Republicans, once again, are spineless. And many large companies such as AT&T and Toyota announced that they would stop donating to lawmakers who objected to the Electoral College results. Oh, well, that's a good thing. If you say so. Of course, those donations have since resumed and it has been found that Toyota has donated the most money out of any company to Congress members who voted to overturn the results of the election. Do better. In the spring, a bill was introduced in the Congress to create an independent commission to investigate the events surrounding the insurrection, you know, similar to the Congressional 9-11 commission that they had, and while it was passed in the House, it was blocked by Republicans in the Senate. Hmm. Wonder why? So then... The House approved a House Select Committee to investigate the insurrection, which created the U.S. House Select Committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol, which we talked about a couple weeks ago on this podcast, actually, on the episode 45, Treason with Clippy. Listen up. Which you need to check out if you haven't heard, because it's when they were doing the PowerPoint and plotting the coup and all that stuff. Episode 45, Treason with Clippy. Listen to it right now. Pause this podcast and go listen to it if you haven't. And as mentioned, On that episode a couple of weeks ago, the committee has been hard at work and has talked with a number of individuals in Trump's orbit regarding the insurrection and does plan to speak with more. Like just this week, the committee released messages that Fox News host Sean Hannity sent to Trump himself and members of the Trump White House in the lead up to January 6th. The committee is also asking for more information from Hannity and its members have indicated publicly that they would like to speak with other figures and the trump administration and around trump such as former vice president mike pence and the committee also has lots of information that they plan to release publicly in the next few weeks and months we've kind of gotten a little drizzle of it because recently the vice chair of the committee congresswoman liz cheney a republican from wyoming told cbs news that the committee has firsthand testimony that trump was sitting in the white house watching the insurrection occur on the television and took no action until he was forced to many hours later. Cool facts, bro. And the committee is also expected to release an interim report in the summer that is detailing the progress on their findings and a final report in the fall, which will include recommendations to Congress on what actions need to be taken to prevent another attack. Like an insurrection by crazy people. And the FBI has also undertaken a large-scale criminal investigation. More than 400 case files have been opened to find those who entered the Capitol, and more than 615 individuals have been charged with federal crimes related to the insurrection so far. Elsewhere, Republicans in many states have tried to pass new restrictions on voting, something we have also talked about on this podcast back on that episode I just mentioned, And on episode 18, which we did back in June, which is called SOS Save Our Society, go listen to that, because we talked about all the voting restrictions that Republicans in states across the country are trying to enforce. They're trying to limit voting in minority communities, they're trying to limit early voting, they're trying to limit voting by mail, and in some cases, Republican legislatures are trying to take over the counting of ballots to ensure that their guy wins, no matter the actual result, like in Georgia. A lot of Republicans were angry because appointed election officials who were doing their job said that Donnie Boy did not win the election when he did not. So now those legislatures want to have that power in their own hands so they can say who won the election. That's what they're trying to do right now, which is why we need to pass the Voting Rights Act. And that's a whole nother issue because the filibuster and all that junk in the Senate that needs to be dealt with. And we've talked about that. And I don't want to go into that anymore. But, as we have talked about in those two episodes mentioned, which you need to listen to, by the way, if you haven't listened to those, stop, right now, and listen to those Sarah warned you, these actions are wildly undemocratic and are taking the United States down an authoritarian path, which, if the Republicans have the power, if the right-wing conservative, they're not conservative, Republicans have the power, they're fascists, then they're fine with it. Because, of course... That's where this all started, when Trump and his cronies began their tirade months before the election. They said it would be rigged and that the Democrats were trying to steal the election. Why would they say that? Months before the election. Because they all knew, he knew, he would lose. And at least they were right about that, because he did lose, by a significant margin. Yep. And because millions and millions of Americans have been brainwashed by right-wing propaganda, they now believe... Anything that comes out of Dottie Boy's and his buddy's mouths. And people have now been radicalized to believe anyone who doesn't believe the fascist ideas that they do are evil and that those people who are evil must be destroyed. Their power must be taken away. We must have all the power. Kind of like fascism. Kind of like in the 1930s when there was this group in Germany who you might have heard of tried to blame the Jews for the downfall of Germany and their World War I loss and stuff. And then they grew into this dictatorial power. And we're not very nice people. That's kind of what it's like if you're getting what I'm putting out here. What are you talking about? So here we are, one year later, and the Republican Party is still full of Trumpism. It's why the Republican Party is so dangerous. We've talked about it on this podcast. That party, the Republican Party, one of the two major parties in the United States, is the largest threat to our democracy right now in the united states of america why because they haven't purged trump from the party in fact most republicans still adore him and will do anything he tells them to well except maybe get the vaccine because they did boo him when he said he got the booster which as you know on this podcast you need to get the vaccine donald trump is still the head of the republican party and he is still even without his social media because his social media was taken away right after the insurrection after he spouted that crazy stuff they were like oh this is gonna be it He's still pushing the big lie that he won the election. When it's been over a year since the election now, he did not. It's why nobody should be voting for any Republicans right now, because they're all standing by and watching the democracy burn so that they can all grab what's left of it, and they can claim power in an authoritarian dictatorship, which... The country is going down towards, which is not a very good thing because the Republicans want to whine and talk about how the Democrats and all the people on the left are trying to impose all these restrictions and they're taking away your freedoms with the mask and the vaccines and all the COVID stuff. But if we enter a Trump, Republican, right-wing, fascism, authoritarian dictatorship, you know how much of your freedom is going to be taken away? Kind of a lot. Watch it, buddy. So... There's like two sides here. So, even though you may think that the Democrats are just as bad and you think both sides are just the same, which they aren't, because the Democrats, the masks and the vaccines and all that stuff is to actually protect you. It's not to take away your freedoms, which, you know, restricting abortions in Texas might be taking away your freedoms, but, you know, that's another story which we should talk about on this podcast. But quit whining. Two sides here. One of them is a party that doesn't care about you or who you vote for especially if you don't vote for them and they don't care about rules they don't care about the constitution because i said on that podcast a couple weeks ago if republicans could if it gets in their way they will rip up the constitution in shreds in a nanosecond they don't give a crap so there's that side or There's the side that's actively trying to punish those who are trying to destroy our democracy and overrule the Constitution. So in this country, because the electoral system is all janked up, it's a two-party system, which I think is kind of bogus. But you really got two sides, and you kind of have to pick one right now. It's the one I talked about, destroying democracy, Republicans, fascism, right-wing, crazy stuff, Trump won none of it's real, COVID is fake, all that stuff. Or there's another side that is saying you need to protect yourself from the COVID and is trying to stop people who are trying to destroy our democracy with this commission and who are trying to expand your right to vote so that you have more ways to vote instead of limiting your access to vote. They don't care. Did you see in Virginia... Glenn Youngkin won, the Republican. Did you see a bunch of crazy people go storm the Virginia Capitol when the results were certified? No, you didn't. BECAUSE IT DIDN'T HAPPEN! No crazy left-wing people who were influenced by Joe Biden went to the Virginia State Capitol to try to overturn the results of an election because it was free, because it was fair, because everyone has acknowledged that Glenn Youngkin won, even though maybe that's not the person who people wanted to win. We accept it and move on. So it's not a both sides issue. That's BS. It is one side who was spouting all the lies and the conspiracies and all that junk about elections, about COVID, about all that crap. And I've talked about it on this podcast again, so I don't know why I'm spouting it again, but I am because it's important because you all need to hear it. There you go. January 6th. So I don't know how that ended up in a tirade by Xander, but that's the one-year anniversary of January 6th. Thanks goodness that's over. Because hopefully, as he deserves, Donnie Boy and his cronies, all of whom wanted to overturn their election basically a coup hopefully they all end up where they belong which is in jail sorry not sorry that's politics for this week xander's facts podcast but when we return we've got football it's the final week of college football it's the final weekend of the nfl's regular season we're going to talk about all that coming up as the xander's facts podcast continues xander's facts xander's facts podcast welcome back y'all we just got done railing about politics craziness now let's talk about some football because we're gonna end this podcast first one of 2022 on a lighthearted note because football is winding down to a close oh no actually i'm kind of sick of football so that's a good thing bye bye because last week we previewed the college football playoff semifinals. We spent a whole chunk of the podcast last week talking about that. And now the national championship is this Monday. So let's talk about how the college football playoff semifinals went before we get to the big game that takes place on Monday. The semifinals took place last Friday on New Year's Eve. And let's just say they weren't anything to celebrate because first up was the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic between Alabama and and Cincinnati, the champions of the SEC, Alabama, the champions of the American Conference, Cincinnati. Alabama was the first seed in the playoff, Cincinnati was the fourth seed, and while nobody, including Xander, expected Cincinnati to win, they did stay competitive throughout the game. The Bearcats only trailed 17-3 at halftime, which I thought was pretty good. I think they would have taken that too, and Alabama only scored 27 points in the whole game which is definitely not as much as I thought they would score, but their defense only held Cincinnati to six points. That's still a 21-point win by the Crimson Tide, 27-6, to six. and as everyone predicted, they are moving on to the national championship game, as Xander predicted. So, one game down. The other game was expected to be more competitive. The Capital One Orange Bowl between Georgia, number three, the SEC runner-ups, and the Big Ten champions, number two, Michigan. But sadly, the second semifinal also did not turn out to be competitive, because the Bulldogs lit up the scoreboard. They had 27 points in the first half, with that Georgia defense also returning to what we had seen from them all season. They only allowed three points in the first half, and by that point, Xander stopped paying attention, and Georgia ended up winning 34-11, to bringing up a rematch with Alabama in the college football playoff national championship game alabama and georgia faced off in the sec championship game they're facing off for the second time this season an all sec playoff championship game hooray are we done yet that's just what everyone wanted so alabama won their game by 21 points and georgia won their game by 23 points so that's an average margin of victory in the two semifinals of 22 points now you'd probably say that's not very good and it isn't but compared to the previous playoff semifinals It's actually not that bad, because out of the eight playoff semifinals that have now occurred, that 22 points ranks as the fourth most average margin of victory for the semifinal games. The highest occurred in 2016 with 29, 2017 had 24 points, 2015, the first playoff semifinal was an average margin of victory of 23 points, and the lowest occurred in 2018 with an average margin of victory of 12 points. So that's basically to say that the semifinals have not produced the best games. And a lot of people are actually arguing that we need to expand the playoff because these semifinal games are not very compelling. They haven't been. Yay! Out of the 16 semifinal games that have been played, the average margin of victory has been 21 points. It's a fact. That's three touchdowns. Not so good for what are supposed to be the four best teams in the country. And yes, I did do all that bath myself. Thank you very much. You dummy. So now, here we are with only one game left in the college football season 2021. Let's just take a quick look back at this college football season because it is crazy how different the landscape of college football looks compared to just a few months ago because at the beginning of the season... Clemson was third in the AP poll, and they were looking at another title contending season. That didn't work out so well. Texas A&M was sixth and looked like Alabama's biggest challenge in the SEC. That didn't work out, even though they did end up beating Alabama in their matchup. They didn't produce elsewhere. And Iowa State was seventh, and some people had them in their preseason playoffs, like Xander, and that did not go so well either. North Carolina started at 10th in the country but they finished their season 6 and 7. Miami was 14th. They now have a new coach. So does 15th ranked USC and 16th ranked LSU. Indiana started 17th. They finished their season with a record of 2 wins and 10 losses. Good grief. And Texas held up in the poll for a while before they dropped to 5 and 7. Texas is not back yet. And in week 1 we had that top 5 matchup that we thought was going to be really good. It just began Georgia's dominant streak, and it also signaled that Clemson was going to have a down year, and in week one, Virginia Tech also upset then number 10 North Carolina. We looked like that would be a turning point for Justin Fuente, and now he's looking for his next job. He's out of a job too, so there you go. There were also a couple of classic games throughout the season, including the Alabama-Texas A&M game. A&M got that no- time left game winning field goal to win it the red river rivalry between texas and oklahoma was another shootout oklahoma's 55 to 48 win kept oklahoma in the playoff hunt almost all of the season while it began a six game losing streak for texas and alabama had another classic game with auburn it was the first ever iron Bowl to go to overtime and this is also the season that jim harbaugh finally broke through as head coach at michigan he beat ohio state He won the Big Ten, and he made it to the playoff for the first time in Michigan, even though, apparently, reportedly, he's looking at making the jump back to the NFL. Maybe the Raiders. We'll see. We'll definitely talk about NFL coaching carousel in another episode on this podcast. And Cincinnati was the only undefeated team at the end of college football's regular season, and they became the first group of five team to make the playoff. And now, as we wind down the season, there are a bunch of big names in the sport who will be led by new head coaches next season including LSU who got Notre Dame's head coach Brian Kelly, USC got Oklahoma's head coach Lincoln Riley, Marcus Freeman is now at Notre Dame, Mario Cristobal, Oregon's coach is now at Miami, and Brent Venables, who was Clemson's defensive coordinator, is now at Oklahoma. And by the way, Sanders College Football Playoff picks at the beginning of the season, Alabama good clemson no ohio state no iowa state no those are all terrible i got one of them right though so wow one for 4 preseason. i i'd say that's not good so with that out of the way let's get to the 2022 college football playoff national championship game everybody's saying yay it's the last game of the season i know thank goodness monday night will mark the end of Of the 2021 college football season, the college football playoff national championship game features number three Georgia taking on number one Alabama in a rematch of Alabama's win in this year's SEC championship game. These two teams also met in the 2018 national championship game with Alabama winning 26-23 in overtime. These two teams are the second pair of teams to meet in multiple college football playoff national championships. The other two include one of these teams, Alabama and Clemson, who have met in the college football playoff final in 2016, 2017, and 2019. That was a fact. And this is Georgia's second college football playoff championship game appearance while it is Alabama's sixth. If Alabama wins, they will become the first team ever to win consecutive college football playoff national championships after they beat Ohio State 52-24 last season and this game is being played at lucas oil stadium in indianapolis indiana which is the first time that the national championship in college football is being played in indianapolis so with all that xander who's gonna win well here comes a fact in the sec championship game i picked georgia to win and that did not turn out so well however georgia's defense came back Against Michigan and Alabama, they may have just been tuning up for the next game, but they did not look so great on offense against Cincinnati. They only scored twenty-seven points. A lot of people thought they would score more. So, what am I gonna do? How about Georgia? Georgia Bulldogs are gonna win their first national championship since nineteen eighty. They are going to avenge their loss earlier in the season. To Alabama, Georgia is gonna win their second ever. National championship game, they will win 35 to 24. Seriously? Actually, when Georgia won the championship in 1980, they didn't even have to play in a championship game. They just played a bowl game and the polls said, Alright, you won the championship afterwards. And they said, Oh yay. So there you go. That is college football. That's the college football playoff. That is a wrap on our college football coverage for the season. Overrated. Thank goodness, Sanders. Facts. But before we go, we've got some more football to talk about. It is another last on this week's edition of the Facts Podcast. It is the last weekend of the NFL's regular season. Week 18 of the NFL is this weekend. We've got games on Saturday and Sunday, but before we get into those, let's recap what happened last week, week 17. There were several games with playoff implications in week 17, including the Eagles, who clinched the sixth playoff spot in the NFC with their 20-16 to 16 win over the lowly Washington football team, who I just cannot deal with anymore. I do not want to be a fan of them anymore. I'm so sick of that garbage organization. The Bengals clinched the AFC North with a surprise 34-31 to 31 win over the Chiefs, which I said was going to happen. A lot of people probably didn't think the Bengals were going to beat the Chiefs, but I told you that was going to happen. Zaner's facts, And the Raiders kept their playoff hopes alive on the road with a 23-20 win over the Colts. Also, in the early window, the Bills were able to beat the Falcons in the Buffalo Snow 29-15, the Bears beat up on the Giants 29-3, the Patriots dropped 50 on the Jags, who only scored 10, the Titans eliminated the Dolphins from the playoffs with a 34-3 win, and the Rams came up big in the fourth quarter with 13 points, to come back and beat the Ravens 20-19. Plus, the Buccaneers came from behind to beat the Jets 28-24, and that is the game that, of course, included Buccaneers wide receiver Antonio Brown taking off his jersey and leaving the field midway through the game. Brown reportedly got into some confrontations on the sidelines and is now no longer a member of the Bucs. But if you know Antonio Brown, you know how he acts. This could not have been a surprise. Clearly, he's got something else going on that really needs to be checked out because I, that's all I'm going to say. Chill out. In the late afternoon window, though, the Chargers eliminated the Broncos and stayed alive in the playoff race with a 34-13 win. The 49ers got an easy 23-7 win over the Texans. The Seahawks dropped the most points of the weekend. They got 51 over the Lions, who scored 29. The Saints kept their playoff hopes alive with an 18-10 win over the Panthers, plus the top afternoon game featured the Cardinals going into Dallas to take on the Cowboys, a big game in terms of playoff seeding even though both these teams have clinched spots in the playoffs. But heading into the fourth quarter of that game, the Cowboys were down 22 to 17, but they led a furious comeback. They brought the game to within a score, but the Cardinals were able to hold on and they kept their hopes for a division championship alive. Cardinals won it 25 to 22. In Dallas, their quarterback, Kyler Murray—Murray is 5-0 all-time when playing at AT AT&T Stadium. How about that? He owns Jerry World. And then Sunday night featured another trashy performance by a team who's still at playoff hopes. Last week it was Washington. This week it was the Minnesota Vikings. Their hopes were dashed by Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, who beat the Kirk Cousins-less Vikings— 37-10, 37-10, to 10, the Packers clinched the first seed in the NFC, and they will get a bye for the first round of the playoffs. And Week 17 finished up on Monday night, the only non-Sunday game of the week, featured an AFC North matchup between the Browns and the Steelers, and while the Browns had been eliminated from the playoffs on Sunday, the Steelers were still in the hunt heading into the game, and after Monday night, they are still in the hunt because they beat the Browns 26-14, and they have an eight. 7 and 1 record the Steelers do this season. So they are guaranteed to have a record better than 500 this season even if they lose this coming week. And under head coach Mike Tomlin, the Steelers have never finished below 500 in a season. Tomlin has been the Steelers head coach since 2007. He is the only head coach who has coached a team for 15 seasons to have never had a losing season. That is a fact. That's a fact. Plus, that was the last Monday night game of the season. There's no Monday night game this week. Oh, sorry, Monday night football. And last week, Xander went 12 and 4 on his picks. That's 75% of games correct. That's pretty good. That bumps the early record up to 161 wins, 95 losses. That's a 63% winning percentage with only one week of regular season picks left. So, Before we get to this week's games, let's take a look at the current playoff picture because there are still some teams who have a chance at the playoffs as of now. Let's start in the AFC where the Titans currently have the number one seed, but they do not have it wrapped up just yet. The Chiefs have the same record as the Titans at 11-5, and they have clinched their division along with the Titans and the third-place Bengals. Meanwhile, the Bills currently hold the fourth spot, but at 10-6, and six, they hold the same record as the fifth-seeded Patriots. Those five teams have clinched playoff spots in the AFC. There are two playoff spots left, and there are five teams fighting for them. Right now, the 9-7 Colts and Chargers hold the final two wildcard spots, while the 9-7 Raiders, the 8-8 eight eight Ravens, and the 8-7-1 and one Steelers are on the outside looking in. So, what do those five teams need to get into the playoffs? Well, let's take a look at the scenarios. First off, the Colts, they get into the playoffs if they win or they tie. But if they lose, they need a Chargers loss plus a Ravens and Steelers tie or a Chargers loss plus a Steelers loss, plus a Dolphins win. That's what the Colts need. But if they win, they're in. The other team that is in, if they win, are the Chargers. They get into the playoffs if they get a win or a tie against the Raiders. The Raiders also get into the playoffs if they win, if they beat the Chargers. That's a big game. Or they need a tie, plus a Colts loss, or a Colts loss, plus a Steelers loss or tie. And the only way that the Ravens can make the playoffs is if they win against the Steelers, the Chargers lose, the Colts lose, and the Dolphins lose or tie. And then the final team are the Steelers. They get into the playoffs if they beat the Ravens, the Colts lose, and the Raiders-Chargers game doesn't end in a tie. Slow down there. There you go. In the NFC, the Packers have an NFL best 13-3 record. They have wrapped up first place in the NFC. They get a bye for the wild card round of the playoffs. The Rams currently reside in second place, but they have still not clinched their division. They're going to try to do that this week against the 49ers, while the Buccaneers and the Cowboys have clinched their division and they hold the next two spots. The Cardinals are currently in fifth, but they could move up to the top four if they get a win against the Seahawks and the Rams lose, while the Eagles currently hold seventh place and they have also clinched a spot in the playoffs. So there is only one remaining spot left in the NFC playoffs, and there are two teams who are trying to fight for it. The 49ers, who are at 9-7, currently have that spot. They're the sixth seed, while the Saints are 8-8 and are on the outside looking in. If the 49ers can beat the Rams, they are in. But if the 49ers lose and the Saints beat the Falcons this week, the Saints are in. If both teams lose, the 49ers are in. There you go. That's the playoff picture right now. There are a total of three playoff spots left. There are a total of seven teams fighting for those three spots. There you go. And remember, there are seven teams in each conference now in the playoffs. So only one team in each conference gets a first round by. That's the Packers in the NFC. We'll find out who it is in the NFC. So that is all that. That's week 17. That's the playoff picture. Now let's look at the games. Week 18 in the NFL, it's the final week of the regular season for a lot of teams including the broncos who host the chiefs on saturday at 4 30 this game is on espn and abc espn and abc are having a saturday double header for the first time this season on the last week of the regular season they're going to continue to do that under their new tv contract so the broncos are out of the playoffs the chiefs could clinch the afc's number one seat if they win and if the chargers lose or tie or if the Chiefs tie in the Titans lose, I don't know how that goes. Huh. But they've got something to play for, so I've got the Chiefs winning in Denver. And then the other half of that Saturday doubleheader on ESPN and ABC at 8:15 is an NFC East matchup between the Cowboys and the Eagles from Philadelphia. Both of these squads are in the playoffs, but there is still some seeding to play for, especially for the Cowboys. So even with the game in Philly, I've got Dallas Winning the game. And then the rest of the games for the week are on Sunday, beginning with the Bengals and the Browns at 1 o'clock on Fox. The Bengals are the champions of the AFC North for the first time since 2015. Nice fact. While the Browns quarterback, Maker Mayfield, is not playing after deciding to get shoulder surgery, plus the Bengals still have a chance at the one seed in the AFC, they just need to win, and the Titans, Chiefs, and Patriots all need to lose. Those probably won't all happen, but the Bengals will win. The Packers take on the Lions at 1 o'clock on Fox from Detroit. The Packers have the NFC's number one seed wrapped up, and they could rest everyone if they want to. Apparently, Aaron Rodgers wants to play. Of course, a lot of Aaron Rodgers' decisions are very strange, so we'll see. Need some mice for that sick burn. Doesn't matter. The Packers are going to win. I don't care who they play because they're playing the Lions. The ugh, Washington football team Plays the Giants at 1 o'clock on Fox from the Meadowlands. The Washington football team on Tuesday finally announced that their new name and logo will be revealed on February 2nd on the Today Show, but apparently it won't be Red Wolves, so that's not good. But... We'll see. I don't really care anymore because Washington's garbage. Washington has been hammered by injuries and COVID this season, but the Giants may still be a worse team somehow, some way. They just lost by 30 to the Bears. I've got the football team in their final game as the Washington football team winning. The end of an era. How about that? I can't believe I picked Washington. They're going to lose. The Bears take on the Vikings at one o'clock on Fox. The Vikings didn't put up much of a fight against Green Bay last week, but they didn't have their quarterback Kirk Cousins, though he'll most likely be back after he had the COVID and he's not vaccinated. So get the vaccine, ladies and gentlemen. The Vikings will beat the Bears. The Colts take on the Jaguars at one o'clock on CBS. All the Colts need to do to make the playoffs is beat the Jacksonville Jaguars can they do it? If they can't, they've got major issues because apparently the Jaguars fans are going to be dressed up as clowns. So the Colts are going to win the game. Steelers take on the Ravens AFC North matchup one o'clock on CBS. While none of these teams are guaranteed the playoffs, if they win, it would help because the Ravens might get their quarterback Lamar Jackson back and they've looked okay even without him, even though they haven't won. I've still got the Ravens Beating the Steelers in what could possibly be Ben Roethlisberger's last game with the Steelers, and even as a quarterback in the NFL, which you know he's kind of shady, so I don't know about that. But the Titans take on the Texans, one o'clock on CBS. If the Titans beat the Texans, they will have the number one seed in the AFC playoffs, and they get next week off. Can they just beat the four and twelve Texans? I think they will. I think they'll beat the Texans. The Saints take on the Falcons in the four o'clock window, four twenty-five on Fox. The Saints need a win to stay alive in the playoff race, and they also need the 49ers to lose. Too bad they won't beat the Falcons. Nice try, buddy. Atlanta will beat the Saints at home. It'll end the Saints' playoff chances, which is pretty crazy, though. The Saints love playoff chances because they've had, like, four quarterbacks this season. They've been like the Washington football team, but the Saints are probably a better team. they probably got better organization, whatever. The Jets take on the Bills, 425 on CBS. In Buffalo, this game may seem insignificant, but the Bills need a win to ensure that they get a top-four seed and an AFC East championship. They should easily beat the Jets in upstate New York. The 49ers take on the Rams at 425 on Fox. A win for the 49ers puts San Fran in the playoffs. A win by the Rams gives LA a top four seed in an NFC West championship. I've got the Rams winning at home though, but the 49ers still make the playoffs if the Saints lose. The Patriots go to Miami to take on the Dolphins at 425 on CBS. The Patriots are in the playoffs. But if they win and the Bills lose, that puts them in the top four and they get a chance at the number one seed if the Titans and the Chiefs also lose. They'll win but those other pieces probably won't fall into place. The Patriots will beat the Dolphins. The Seahawks play the Cardinals at 425 on Fox, Arizona, wins the NFC West with a win against Seattle and a Rams loss. So Arizona's got something to play for, but I think the Rams are going to win. So they won't get that top four spot, but I think the Cardinals will win and they'll have to settle for a wild card spot and a road game next week in the playoffs. The Panthers take on the Buccaneers at 425 on CBS, and since Cam Newton famously declared that he was back in that game for the Panthers after he scored a touchdown, the Panthers have not won a game, and now he has been benched. Sam Darnold is now the quarterback for the Panthers again. He's back even without Antonio Brown. Uh Uh-oh. The Bucs roll at home and then the sunday night game they flex in the sunday night game at the end of the season because it's the biggest game of the weekend with the most playoff implications it is the chargers and the raiders both nine and seven teams at 8 20 on nbc It is the most consequential game of the week what do you say the winner gets into the playoffs the loser does not unless some crazy things happen even so you want to win and i think it's time for justin herbert and the chargers to step up In Herbert's second season, Chargers are going to the playoffs. L.A. wins in Vegas. There you go. Week 18 of the NFL Xander's Facts Podcast holy cow this has been a long podcast but we got a lot to talk about this week we talked about the insurrection because the one-year anniversary of the insurrection is on thursday we got to remember that plus the college football playoff national championship game is monday and the nfl's final week of the regular season is this weekend so next week we're going to be talking about playoffs 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 those are next week we'll talk about that plus we'll probably talk about something else here on the Xander's Facts Podcast, but that is episode 48 of the Xander's Facts Podcast. Thank you all for listening, and remember, if you want to support Xander's Facts Podcast, if you like the Xander's Facts Podcast, if you liked all the facts on this episode of the podcast, remember, click that follow button, download the podcast, rate the podcast, and review the podcast. Go on all your socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, Xander's Facts, TikTok. Go on all those, like, follow, Xander with a Z, and then... Most importantly, tell all your friends, tell your friends about the podcast. Tell everyone you know, because it was a big podcast this week, and everyone needs to know about what was said on this podcast. That is it. That is a wrap on episode 48 of the Xander's Facts podcast. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see y'all with episode 49 next week. Why did you do this to me?